You know, everyone struggles with some sort of fear. I was reminded of that last week when I was working in the yard and found another snake. I don't know what your fear is, but uh, people have fears. It's just a common experience. Now, maybe we fear different things, but each of us have something that just freaks us out. I was reading an article last week about the top 10 fears or the top 10 most common fears that we have. Let me me share them with you. The first one is social phobias. That would mean uh, people fear having to stand up and speak in public. And uh, they, they have maybe a fear of, of uh, having to be in a group of people that they don't know. Number two was the fear of open spaces. I kind of look forward to that. I don't know about you, but some folks fear being out in open spaces and being exposed. The third was the fear of heights. The fourth most common fear is the fear of flying. Number five is the fear of enclosed spaces. That's claustrophobia. Uh, I have a friend who will not ride in an elevator. He hates it. He will take 20 flights of stairs to avoid the elevator. He hates enclosed spaces. Number six, fear of insects. Number seven, fear of snakes. There's mine. Number eight, fear of dogs. Number nine, fear of storms. And then number 10, fear of needles. That's the wrong fear to have in this world right now, (laughs) the fear of needles. But there are all kinds of fears that we have in our lives. And here's the thing, though. There are fears to avoid. But did you know there's also a fear you should acquire? While there are fears that we want to conquer and we want to overcome and we want to break free from, there is also a type of fear that we ought to embrace that we ought to invite into our lives. As a matter of fact, if we will acquire this one fear, a lot of our other fears will go away. Did you know that the Bible speaks repeatedly in a positive way about the fear of the Lord? About people having a healthy fear of the Lord. For example, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, we we read that phrase, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Did you see the phrase? The fear of the Lord. Now, there's a negative sense of fear and there's also a positive sense of fear. What does the writer of Proverbs mean and what do the Scriptures mean when we are encouraged to fear the Lord? Does it mean in the negative sense that this is a scared fear? A fear of terror? A fear where we cower in a corner away from God? Is that the meaning of this word fear as it's used? Because there is a type of fear that's a scared fear. But to understand the way the writer of this proverb and the other writers use the fear of the Lord, it's not so much a scared fear as it is a sacred fear. A reverential awe for who God is. The, the, the understanding as you stand before Him that He is God and you are not. There's a reverential awe as you stand before God that is a healthy fear of the Lord. You recognize, I am a creature. He is my creator. 
And I stand before him in fear, in awe. Now, maybe the illustration of that could be that to fear the Lord is to humbly submit to his reign and claim over your life. To fear the Lord is not to cower and run away from Him, but rather it is to humbly submit to Him and to His reign over our lives and His claim on our lives that He is God, we are His, and we would do well to live our lives in a healthy relationship with God. You know, whenever uh, we see people going to the Grand Canyon, we see these two types of fears in a healthy way. Imagine you're sitting there on the edge of the Grand Canyon. You're looking 10 miles across the canyon. You're looking one mile down below. And in that moment, there is a positive kind of awe that just fills your heart as you look at God's creation. And you just stand or sit in awe of what is before you. That's the kind of fear that the writer of Proverbs is talking about when he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's whenever you're just in awe of your mighty God who is eternal, uncreated, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-holy, all-loving. And you stand before Him in awe. But there's also a sense as you sit on the lip of the Grand Canyon looking one mile down below your feet that keeps you from going too far towards the edge lest you fall over. There is a healthy respect for boundaries. In fact, our national parks tell us that it is a very common occurrence for people to ignore the warning signs that they place in our national parks there to protect people. That we want you to be in awe of creation, but we don't want you to be harmed by creation by going beyond proper boundaries. If you're in one of our parks, you need to stay at least 25 feet away from bison. You need to stay about 100 feet away from bears or wolves. If you're at the Grand Canyon and there's a barrier there and it says do not cross, it would be in your best interest to not cross it. People are injured and killed every year because they don't have a healthy sense of fear and awe and respect and reverence. And if we would feel that kind of awe at creation, how much more should we feel that sense of awe before the Creator? That's what we want to talk about today. We're in this series where we've been looking at some of the Proverbs in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And the series is called Don't Be a Dummy because we want to learn a better way to live than many people live. We don't want to repeat those mistakes of other people or even repeat the mistakes of our own lives. And can I tell you, one of the wisest things that you will ever do is to determine in your heart that God is God and I am not, and I'm going to live in a healthy relationship with God. I'm going to submit my life to His loving reign and claim over my life. He's going to be first, and I want to live for Him. That'll be the wisest thing you ever do. And you'll discover that whenever you fear the Lord, stand in awe of Him, that He pours out His blessings on your life. In fact, let me give you some of those blessings that come when we learn how to 
rightfully fear the Lord. The first blessing that comes to us is the blessing of wisdom. We just read that a moment ago where we are told that we will receive wisdom when we fear the Lord. Now, wisdom is not just head knowledge. Wisdom is knowing the will of God for your life, but then applying and living out the will of God for your life. It's not just coming to church and taking notes and saying amen. It is walking out and applying what you've learned from God. That's wisdom. And the writer of Proverbs says in verse Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It is the foundation of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the very source of knowledge. This is where it all begins. And why does he tell us this? Because God is the source of all knowledge. God is the foundation of all knowledge. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If there's any truth to be known, it is sourced in God. And the best thing we can ever do if we want to truly know how to understand our world, how to live our lives, how to be in relationship with God and with other people, then we must seek knowledge from God because He is the source. Too many people in our culture are seeking knowledge from people who are just as ignorant or if not more ignorant than we are. And they write books and they have podcasts and blogs and they're, they're just simply ignorant people telling other ignorant people how ignorant they are. And all the while we're rejecting the very truth of God and the source of wisdom. Come to Him and test everything else against Him. But the writer of Proverbs says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's a foolish thing to live your life apart from God. Not first saying, what does God think about this? How does God want me to feel about this? What is God's view on this situation? What is God's view on this activity? It is a foolish thing to ignore God. You're going to hurt yourself if you ignore God. But the fear of the Lord, a healthy reverence and awe that says, God, you know best. I want to know what you want me to know so that I can live like you want me to live. I get on car forums at times and uh, will look at the different problems that people complain about, and it amazes me. Sometimes people complain about the silliest problem because the solution to their silly problem is found in the owner's manual. And sometimes people on these forums are not as polite as I am. I try to help people, but sometimes other people on the forums will say, Idiot, open up your owner's manual. It tells you right there how to change the settings on your radio. Why are you wasting time on a forum? And I wonder sometimes how often the angels in heaven look at how we live our lives, beat our head against a wall, repeat the mistake after mistake after mistake, walk around in confusion, don't know right from wrong, up from down, and they're going, why don't they read the owner's manual? Why don't they come to God who made them and made the world and seek His face? That's where wisdom begins. And when we come to God saying, God, I want to know, He's willing to help us. James chapter 1, verse 5, the half-brother of Jesus, because if you're virgin born, you only have half-brothers and sisters. Uh, but the half-brother of Jesus, James, wrote in his letter, James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all who uh, to all without reproach and it will be given to him 
James says, if you ever find yourself in a situation you don't know the wise thing to believe or the wise thing to do, ask God. God will not beat you up and berate you because you don't know. God is going to give you wisdom generously and willingly. That's what He wants for you. He wants the best for you. He's not trying to hold it away from you. He's wanting to reveal His truth to you. But He's not going to force it on you. And how, how do we know God's will? It begins with knowing God through His Word. I love Psalm 119, verses 9-11. through 11. The question is asked, how can a young man keep his way pure? It's hard to live a pure life before God in this world. And this isn't just sexual purity. It's any kind of living a righteous, holy life. How can a young man, how can a young person, how can any of us keep our lives pure in the sight of God where we're living for Him? And he gives the answer to his own question by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God has revealed His will, His wisdom, His instruction, His correction, His reproof, His exhortation. He's, he's revealed everything He needs us to know in His Word as the beginning foundation of truth. And we ought to seek Him in His wisdom by being people who seek Him in the Word. If reading your Bible is not a part of your life, it ought to be. If attending worship services where they open up the Bible and help you understand it better is not a part of your life, it ought to be. If being in a small group of friends who are all together trying to search the Scriptures to know how to best live is not a part of your life, that ought to be a part of your life. And that's why we as a church are here to help you. And it all begins with the Word of God. So the first, the first blessing to your life uh, is you fear the Lord is wisdom, but the second is just simply the blessings of God on your life. The blessings of God will come to you as you fear the Lord. Everybody wants to live a blessed life. Their blessed life now. Everybody wants to live a happy life, a contented life, and it begins with knowing the Lord. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 14 says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. But whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Do you want to be blessed in this life? Then fear the Lord always. Not just on Sunday, not just in one area of your life, but fear the Lord always in your life. Put Him first always in your life. Have a healthy reverence for God that you want to honor Him and glorify Him and please Him in your life. Not because you're worried about Him punishing you, but because you know how much He loves you and you don't want to disappoint Him. And the blessings sometimes are translated happiness. But I'm really careful about that because I don't think the writer of Proverbs or Scripture is giving us this carte blanche guarantee that if we fear the Lord, we will always be happy. Happiness is based on what happens to you. 
And there are times that what is happening to you doesn't make you happy, but you can still recognize the blessings of God even as you're going through the storms of life because you recognize God is with you. You recognize that God is in control. You recognize that God is sovereign. You recognize that God is able to make all things work together for good to those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose in your life according to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And so that doesn't always make you happy, but it gives you an inner sense of calm and joy knowing the fear of the Lord that God's bigger than anything I'm facing. God is bigger and greater than any problem or any enemy or any struggle or any fear that I have. And if He's on my side, I can be blessed because I have someone that money can't buy, death can't take away. I've got God. And as I said to a family, two families yesterday, that when you know the Lord, you can say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. That's the blessing you need in your life is the knowledge that God is with you and that He is first in your life. The second benefit that comes to you when you fear the Lord, not only wisdom and blessings, but confidence. God promises confidence, strong confidence in this life to those who will put their faith in Him. Listen to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. In the fear of the Lord... One has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. Listen to that. In the fear of the Lord, in a healthy respect of God, one has strong confidence. There's a lot in this world that can shake our confidence. You put your confidence in the politics of the day, it will not be long before your confidence is shaken. You put your confidence in other people, even good people who maybe mean well, your pastors, your, your priests, there are going to come times they will pull the rug of confidence out from under your feet when you discover they have an Achilles heel just like you do. They're not perfect. You put your confidence in your bank account in the stock market, the stock market giveth and the stock market taketh away. And your confidence will be shaken. You put your confidence in your health, in your strength, in your vitality, and one virus can steal your confidence. There is only one who can give you strong confidence to face every storm and struggle in this life, and it is the Lord Himself. And the fear of the Lord is a strong security, strong confidence for all who will trust in Him. Listen, your strong confidence isn't in yourself. It's not in other people. It is in the knowledge that your God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, all-loving. And He's promised to never leave you nor forsake you. And no matter what else changes in your life, 
He will always be there. And now you can face life with confidence. Confidence in Him, not in your circumstances. And listen, this doesn't just help you. It also helps generations to come. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and His children. That person who fears the Lord, his children will have a refuge because he will have taught his children, put your hope in the Lord. And I will never apologize as your pastor for being a pastor who wants this to be a multi-generational church with a next generation focus because there's going to come a day when I'm dead and gone and you're dead and gone and I pray to God we have taught our children there is a refuge. There is one you can trust. There are plenty of churches all over this city that have no children whatsoever. Go there if that's what you're looking for. But this church wants to be a church that not only fears the Lord for ourselves, but for the next generation. People say, I don't know if I want to bring kids into this world. We ought to be bringing kids into this world and teaching them to fear the Lord. I can promise you this, everybody else having children. (laughs) They're teaching them what to believe. God's people need to teach. There's one source of confidence. That's in the Lord Himself. That wasn't in my notes, but that's good preaching. Let me go on. (laughs) The, The next benefit to your life when you fear the Lord is protection. Protection. We read in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 27, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. He's saying one of the wisest things you'll ever do, one of the smartest things you'll ever do, one of the safest things you'll ever do is dedicate yourself to living for the Lord out of a healthy reverence for God. Because when you respect God, He's going to keep you out of a lot of snares that seek to destroy you spiritually and even physically. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Now we need to remember what a proverb is. A proverb is not a guaranteed, ironclad promise and you can take it to the bank. A proverb is a pithy way of saying, here's how God's truth usually works in this world. For example, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And yet we all know there are people who raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, only to see them reject everything that mom and dad taught them and to walk away from God. You say, well, then God's word is not true. No, it was a proverb that speaks, generally speaking, when a parent will teach their children from the very beginning about God and loving Him and helping them know Him, The chances are when they get old, they'll still be walking with the Lord. They may stray from time to time, but they're still going to have that solid foundation. And the same is true here. We have to be careful with scriptures like Proverbs 14.27 or 10.27 and say, see, if I'm living for God, I have no concerns about fear of dying. Faith over fear. Give me a break. Why are you putting on your seatbelt? Why do you take normal precautions? What this is saying is generally speaking, there are a lot of people whose lives are snuffed out, cut short, harmed because they didn't follow God. Got into their gang-banging buddies and lost their life or ended up in prison. That was never God's will for their life. 
gave themselves over to a party lifestyle and got hooked on alcohol or drugs and ruined their life and ruined their health or got behind the wheel of a car and died as a drunk driver. That wasn't God's will for their life. No, we all know missionaries who were in the middle of God's will doing exactly what God wants them to do and their lives are cut down for their faith in Jesus Christ. We even have a Savior who went to the cross of Calvary not because He had done anything wrong but because He had done everything right and yet He still died. But generally speaking, we would save ourselves from a lot of harm if we would just learn to live for God and to walk humbly with Him and to obey Him, it would keep us out of a lot of snares and a lot of dangers. I know people in our church and I know people in my family who are now older and they look back on their lives and they will say to me, it was only the grace of God that saved me. I should have been dead by now. And I look back and realize how I put myself in so many harmful situations because I wasn't living for God. And it was only the grace of God that got me through. And I've also had deathbed confessions where people have never regretted living for God. But I've had many people in their dying moments tell me they wished they had lived for Him sooner. And they would have missed a lot of harm. And then the final, there's so many more I could talk about, but the final benefit of fearing the Lord in your life that I want to share with you today is satisfaction and fulfillment. So God will give you wisdom and blessing and confidence and protection, but also satisfaction in this life and fulfillment that you won't find anywhere else. Proverbs 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. The writer of Proverbs is saying if you're looking for life, not just physical life, I mean if you're looking for real life, a life with meaning, a life with purpose, a life with a right relationship with God, then it begins with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord leads to life. In fact, it was Jesus who said in John chapter 10, the thief, and he was talking about the devil. The reason I believe in Satan is it's one of the only ways you can make sense of a lot of the evil in our world that we see. But most of all, because Jesus told me so. And if Jesus predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection, pulls it off, I'm just going to trust anything he says. And in John chapter 10, he says, the devil has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's on his agenda. That's on his to-do list for you today, to kill, to steal, to destroy. Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. What you're looking for is not rejecting me. It is an embracing me. That's where true life comes from. That's what the writer of this proverb is saying. The fear of the Lord leads to life, eternal life, a right relationship with God, but also a blessed life in time and eternity. And whoever has the fear of the Lord can rest satisfied. There's no regret in living for God. There's no wishing I would not have lived for God. No one ever feels that way. True believers always say it was the best thing I ever did for my life. It was the best thing I ever did for my family. I conducted a funeral yesterday for one of Donna's cousins. 
And Donna's mom sent me a five-page letter that Lynn had written to Donna's mom and dad back in 2014 when dad was battling cancer. And I read that letter and used part of it in the funeral. And in it, Lynn talked about how that one of the best things that ever happened to her was when her family moved next door to mom and dad on Leon Road off of Atlantic Boulevard. And she said, it was there that I got to see the two of you up close and personal when you came to faith in Jesus and you got baptized at Atlantic Boulevard Baptist Church and you started walking with God by faith. She said, I look back now and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was you, she said to Donna's parents, that helped me come to faith in Jesus. And one day I walked the aisle, trusted Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I was baptized, had two boys, dedicated my boys to the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though we had a terrible marriage in my first marriage, God gave me a new man who loved Jesus. And in her letter, she said to Donna's parents that the best thing that's ever happened to me is coming to know the Lord. I've discovered what real life is about. And even yesterday at her passing, her two grown sons were able to stand up and to say, our mom taught us to put our faith in God. And it is that strength that helps us to go forward from this day forward. And I watched those two young men look at their mom in the casket and say, Mama, thank you for teaching us to fear the Lord. And I thought yesterday, this is what I'm preaching tomorrow. This is what this means. She found real life. Not an easy life, not a perfect life, not a life that was without struggles, but she found real life, eternal life, because she humbly submitted to the reign and claim of God on her life. And to fear the Lord is to humbly submit to His loving reign and claim on your life. I want to close with this verse. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. This is your homework. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. That means reverence God. Have a healthy fear of the Lord. And He will direct your paths. What area of your life do you need to humbly submit to God's loving reign and claim on your life? What area of your life do you need to, to trust Him with reverence and obedience and worship and praise and trust? And give it to Him. Give it to Him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this Reminder from Your Word that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the source of our strength and confidence and protection and life and satisfaction and so much more. Thank You, God, that You're a loving, holy, merciful God. And that You don't want us to cower in a corner, but You do want us to humble ourselves before You. Remembering You are God, we are not. And you know best and you love us the most. And we have nothing to lose by submitting our lives to you 
but everything to lose by rebelling against you. So Father, I pray that today in the stillness of this moment, your Holy Spirit would work in each of our hearts to help us identify those areas of our lives where maybe we are not submitting to your loving reign and claim on our lives as God. May we give that to you today. May we let you be the boss of our lives today in this area. And Father, if there's someone that needs Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray that right now, before it's eternally too late for them, that they would say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I believe you rose from the dead for me. And right now, by faith, I turn from my sin. I admit to you, I am a sinner and I'm sorry. And I put my trust in you to be my Lord and my Savior. I take you at your word where you promised whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I call on you today, Lord. I trust in you today. I submit myself to your loving reign over my life and claim on my life. Friend, if you've made that choice today to trust Christ, let me know that. Leave a comment below. Leave a comment. Call the church. Use the website fcbc.life. And on the Let's Connect card, there's a place that you can check a box. Today, I committed my life to Christ. Or tell us at the end of this service, whatever you need to do, we want to rejoice with you and praise God with you for your trust in Christ. Heavenly Father, have your perfect will and way in all of our lives today as we seek to live in the fear of the Lord and knowing that, you're a loving God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.